Hi, my name's Jason. I'm the senior pastor at Chilton Church. We hope all our messages will help you connect more fully with God's love, grow as his follower, and share his hope with those around you. Thanks so much for joining us. Perhaps to anyone that slipped in uh, during the course of our time of worship together, um, if you have, my name is Jason. I'm the pastor here. Um, and it's just great to be able to launch with you into what is a new series for us. Uh, as you may know, we have been tracking through the Gospel of Mark uh, so far in the course of the year. And we come now to a series that we're going to be doing out of Mark chapter 6. So if you have your Bibles with you, uh, either paper Bibles or you want to have that on your phone or a tablet or however you do it, uh, then you're welcome to take that out. Uh, and move to Mark chapter 6, which really does raise a very important theme for us. Um, It is the theme and topic of offense, what it is to be offended, taking offense at Jesus and at others, how we deal with offense, and live in a society that has become increasingly sensitive, often for important reasons, perhaps sometimes not, to offensive sentiment uh, in our culture today. And it's actually, we discover from the Bible, a very important topic to be teaching into. Jesus taught his disciples about offense, how important it was not to take offense at God, his words, and his ways. How to deal with other people when they take offense at us for loving Jesus and because of our love for Jesus, obeying the things that he has called us to obey. And so I really hope over the next two weeks, as uh, Ryan and I look briefly at this Uh, topic in a sort of mini-series, if you like, out of Mark chapter 6, that this is going to be helpful and empowering, but perhaps also, if it does in you what it's done in me as I have been preparing, helpfully exposing of the ways that we can still find ourselves taking offense at Jesus' words and teaching to us, and what we can and should do about it when that happens. And so I'd love to pray for us because I'm assuming if you are like me, and perhaps you're not, in which case don't worry, but if you are, offense is something that many of us, I would imagine, have had to deal with. If you have lived in the church, you've probably been offended by someone in the church. If you have tried to do something for God, you've probably had someone else find that offensive. If you've read the Bible a little bit, at least, then you will probably come across teaching that offends you. And so this is a big thing, and it's hard for us to wrestle with, and yet important for us to do that. And so I want to pray for us as we do. Lord, um, I pray, just as we come to this very significant and important topic, that Jesus, you have alerted us to, that the scriptures teach us about, God, I pray for a grace to engage with your words, that our hearts, as we sang earlier, would be open to you, that you would minister to us. I pray for a grace to believe in you, 
and who you claimed to be, and therefore the authority of your words. And so, Lord, would you give me wisdom as I share on this challenging topic, and yet a topic that we need to have breakthrough in. Lord, we ask for your mercy and your power now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so perhaps it's helpful just to say a little bit of what I mean by taking offense. What does it mean to take offense? Well, the first important thing to say is that offense has to do with our understandings and our beliefs about what is right and what is wrong. Okay, so it's about being offended in the things that we believe are right and that, or we believe are wrong. So what is the right way to deal with something. We all have beliefs and values that guide us in coming to an answer to that. What's the right way to do this? What's the right way to do something? What's the right way to treat someone? What's the right way to speak to someone? What's the right way to do church? What's the right way to do mission? What's the right way to pray for someone? What's the right way to sing? What's the right way to engage? What's the right way to be a Christian in society today? We have understandings about that. And if someone does something that we believe has gone against those beliefs, gone against those values, we tend to judge their actions then as being offensive. They've affronted our core values and our understanding. But taking offense is even a bit more personal than that. It's when someone's actions are not just seen by us to be wrong, not just seen to have not been right, but in some way they are actually wounding to us personally. I read a definition of taking offense, and and they said it is like receiving a wound to your soul. That's why we feel such big emotions. uh, This sense of offense, it has to do with particularly when we are affronted, when we are attacked, we believe in those core values and beliefs that we have about ourselves. What are the things that make up who we are and our own self-image? And when those things are challenged, those are the things that we can find most acutely offensive. Uh, A definition that I read uh, was this. Researchers have defined offense as a feeling that is triggered by a blow to a person's honor. Because, and this is the key part, it contradicts a person's self-concept and identity. When something happens that challenges who I believe I am and what I believe makes me valuable, that is when we feel offense the most. And so emotions that are sort of associated with this would be that sense of wounding, humiliation, Rudely treated, despised, rejected. We can all feel those feelings. Have you felt those feelings? So the question then from a Christian point of view is, why were people so often offended at Jesus and his words and his ministry? Because many people in the Gospels were, not just the religious people, whole towns took offense at Jesus. Was he rude? Was he unjust? Was he disrespectful? Did he do things that were morally wrong? Did they have legitimate grounds for taking offense? Or was the problem perhaps in their own core values 
and beliefs. See, what we see as we track through the Gospels, and we see it today as we talk about Jesus and the things that he said and has taught, that Jesus challenges the very deepest core values of our lives. He challenges the things that we believe about ourselves, about others, about God, and about life. And the only way, the only way for that not to be offensive for us is to choose to trust that he is actually who he claimed to be. That he is, and that's what we looked at over the last couple of weeks, he is who he claimed to be. He is God. And that if there is a battle between core values of what is right and wrong, he is in the pound seat, if you like. His ways are above our ways. And that if someone needs to shift, it's not God, it's us. What we see, though, in the Gospels is there were many people who were not able to do that. They weren't able to recognize who he really was. And they, therefore, weren't able to surrender their core values and their core beliefs to his. They could not change. And so they took offense at him. So let's look at this passage. Everyone ready for this now? Okay. Silence in the church. Let's look at this passage, Mark chapter 6, and we're going to read from verse 1. You can follow in your Bibles or, or it, it is on the screen. Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked. What is this wisdom that has been given to him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Now, as a Christian, you look at those verses and you say, well, that seems quite good so far. You know, if someone comes to church and they leave going, wow, you know, where did they get that stuff? This is amazing. Look at the miracles. Look at what is going on. We see there is a dimension to Jesus' ministry that does have this sort of wow factor that people marveled at. They were so intrigued and interested in. And I want to say this is really important. There is a big difference between being interested in Jesus at a distance and actually having a relationship with Jesus, having understood his message there is a huge difference between being interested in Jesus at a distance and actually having a relationship with him, having wrestled with and come to terms with his message. And we see that some of the cracks of that uh, are going to come out now as we read on. Verse 3. But as he's teaching, this now begins to be the response. Hang on a minute. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this... Mary's son and the brother of James and Joseph, Judas and Simon. Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor, except in his own town, among his relatives and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them, to which we would say is pretty good going. Okay? And he was amazed at their lack of faith. 
It's interesting how he recognizes that is actually the problem. And so we see something as Jesus' teaching continues, as there is this further expounding of of actually what Jesus has come to share and to teach, that despite the wow factor, despite the amazing good that Jesus is doing, something gets under their skin to the point where they say, we can't recognize who you are claiming to be. This doesn't seem right to us. And Jesus is amazed at their lack of faith. Ryan is going to focus a bit more on the verses that follow from here next week, but I want to read them so we can see the whole picture because we're sort of taking two parts of one whole. goes on in verse 6. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village, calling the twelve to him. He began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. In other words, you're going to need to be dependent on God and the, and the hospitality of the people that you go to. Wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if at any place... And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. That means to change your understanding and choose to live differently. As that's what Jesus' message calls us to do. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons. They anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. And so we see now Jesus is empowering his disciples to do the same wow factor ministry that he has been doing, so that people are going to be interested, at least at a distance. But there is in this a warning, that despite the good they're going to be doing, despite the fact that many people will welcome them and accept them, There are going to be people, even whole towns and places that are going to reject them and reject the teaching that they've been called to bring. Lane in his great commentary on this says, the rejection at Nazareth, Jesus' hometown, this rejection of Jesus is intimately related to the mission of the 12 and therefore to us. The tension between faith and And unbelief permeates both accounts. Moreover, in chapter 6, verse 11, there is a distinct indication that the disciples will also experience rejection. That people will be offended at us if we teach what Jesus has asked us to teach. Now, I'm not sure about you, but that is challenging for me. I find that a deep challenge. I don't want to be rejected by anybody. I much prefer to be loved by everybody. Anyone else in the same boat? And yet it becomes a question of allegiance to him. How will we choose to live? And whose core values do we want to change? His or ours? So let's look a little bit more. Why do people take offense at Jesus? Why do I still take offense 
at Jesus' words? Why do we take offense at Jesus' words? When he, when he does so much good, this isn't a person who went around doing terrible things. He went around healing people and delivering people and feeding the sick and loving the outcasts. And yet people were offended by him. We get offended by him. You see, and as I, as I said, it has to do with this clash between our core values and beliefs and Jesus' core message and teaching. Because remember, that's what offense has to do with. Offense is when our core values and our core beliefs about us, about God, about the world are challenged. And what we see in the life of Jesus is that he came to do just that. He actually came to retool, to rejig, to reshape, to reframe the way that we understand life and God and right and wrong and relationships and community and worship and eternal things. The kingdom of God. He came to reshape our paradigm. You might have heard that people say that Jesus came to turn everything right side up and upside down in our hearts and in our thinking. And so the very nature of Jesus' ministry touches on those things that we would find most offensive if we could not yield to him. And so this becomes our, our challenge. How do we respond when Jesus' opinions are different to ours. Because every time that happens, we have a choice. Every time you are reading the Bible, and you're reading the Gospels, and you're reading Jesus' teaching, or you're listening to someone who's preaching and teaching faithfully from the Scriptures, and they say something that, that cuts at your heart. That happens often to me. And they're like diamonds. They're precious, but they're hard the teachings of Jesus. We have this opportunity. Do we walk in humility, surrender, and acknowledge who he is, and we shift, and as we do that, we come close to him? Or do we, like the people in Nazareth, become offended at his words and take offense and you know, the people that you take offense at, you tend not to cuddle with. Isn't that the truth? We, we don't spend loving, intimate time with the people that offend us. We walk away from those people. And that's what happens in our relationship with God. So let's look at, at what was perhaps, what was in the village in their core values? And how was that different to the core message of Jesus? And, and you can decide perhaps how much tension you've got in your, your own heart around this. I think as they were there, they were probably thinking, you know, we're good people. We're good Jewish people. You know, this is, we, we do good things for one another. And, and who is Jesus? He's no better than we are. He, he grew up among us. Look at, here are his brothers and his sisters. We know his mother. Who is he to now claim superiority over us. Aren't we the same? Some of that sentiment ring true in, in our culture today and in our own hearts. And yet, what is the message of Jesus? No one is good, but God alone. 
And Jesus is God. And he is good alone. If you're taking notes, John 10 verse 29 to 31 is is a nice scripture to reflect on. It's where Jesus says, I and the Father are one. And the next verse is, again, the Jewish opponents picks up stones to stone him. Why did they want to kill him? Because they have, he offended them because he said, I am the one that is good because I am the one that is God. And you need me. You can't do it on your own. It's diamonds. It's hard, but it's precious. What about this? We have the right to choose how we want to live. We are the authors of our own destiny. Who is Jesus to say to us how we need to live? And yet we see the core message of Jesus is we need to align our lives with him. We need to submit our lives to him and to his mission. John 14 verse 6, Jesus says, um, sorry, Mark 8, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and the gospel and for my mission will save it. And then lastly, what about this? We can have right standing with God because of our nationality, our works, our religion, our law. I'm sure they were thinking, we are, we are Jewish people. Uh, we go to synagogue. We're in the synagogue right now listening to you teach, offended at what you are saying. They were in the right place, weren't they? They probably were saying, we do the festivals. We, we, we give our, our tithe. We, uh, we do the things. Who are you to say that we now need you in addition to all of those things? And yet we see that Jesus says the only way to have right standing with God is by having a relationship with me. That is the John 14, 6, where Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is no other way. The things you do will not help you unless they are because of your relationship to Jesus. Now, if anyone is finding that tough, anyone finding that tough? Okay. You're in good company. The disciples also found it tough. This is John 6, as Jesus has again been teaching the same thing. He's saying, I am the bread of life. I am the manna that has come out of heaven that actually sustains you. Without the manna, the people of Israel would have died. And he's saying, without me, you die. Without me, there's no life. Without me, you cannot have eternal life. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, okay, this is a hard teaching. Some of Jesus' teachings are hard. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, it's okay. Don't worry about this one. <laughs> he says to them, does this offend you? Does this offend you? What if you saw the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? What if you saw me 
as the angels will see me as I ascend. That the living creatures, as Ryan read earlier, every time they look at me, they cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. Worthy is the Lamb who is seated on the throne to receive honor and glory and praise. And they all fall on their face before the glory of who he is. If you were to see me like that, would you be offended? He says to them, the spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. Are there some of you who do not believe? Is the challenge that Jesus brings to us today. And so it comes back to this question. Are we offended? Are we offended at his words? Or can we believe that he is who he claimed to be? Does his death and his resurrection that was seen by hundreds of people, the miracles that he did, the raising of people from death to life, the thousands of people that were healed in his ministry. Has he shown us that he is who he claims to be and therefore he is worthy of our allegiance or not? John 3, very famous passage of scripture. John 3 verse 16 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God loves us and wants no one to perish, wants everyone to have relationship with him. And because of that, has sent his one and only son to say, I see a problem in the world. The problem is sin. Everybody has sinned. Everybody deserves punishment, but I love this people. And so I will make a way to be just and merciful. There will be punishment, but it doesn't have to come to you. Because I will take the punishment if you will accept me. Is what he says, I love you. I do not want you to be punished. And I have made provision so that you do not have to be, if you will accept me. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That was his mission. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But we do need to read the rest of the verse. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. You see, you cannot be offended at Jesus' words and still come to hug him. You cannot be offended at his words and still embrace him. You will leave him. And so God says, I love you, and I have sent my son for you. And if you will believe in him, you will be able to trust him. And follow him. See, God is God, we believe. 
And he has given us this great choice. Will we accept his evaluation of us, that we need saving, that we need forgiveness? Not sure about you, but I know that I have messed things up over and over again. I'm well aware of my need for forgiveness. The next question is, will we accept his offer? Will we accept his offer of salvation and love? Will we receive Jesus as the penalty for our sin? And will we respond by giving our lives then to him? To love him, to trust him, to follow him. And in doing that, have eternal life. Or, as God gives you the choice to do. And it's very important that we all feel that we have this choice. That no one is forced into this decision. This is a choice that God gives to us. And it is to refuse him. To reject him. And to take offense at his words. But we need to understand if that's what we do. The Bible says we then stand condemned. Because we have not believed in his one and only son that he has sent for us. And so I recognize that this is a challenge. This is the gospel. This is the message of Jesus. This is why they chose to kill him and stone him and drive him and the apostles and others out of the cities where they shared it. But it is also the reason that countless millions of people have found life and fullness and freedom and relationship with the living God. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of this message. Because is it the power of God for the salvation of all people, both the Jews and the Gentiles? Thanks for listening. If you'd like to find out more about the church and how to connect with us in person or online, wherever you are, please visit our website at www.chiltonchurch.org.uk.